Amen. How many are thankful to be in the house of the Lord today with other, other believers? My name is Chad. That was Andrew. It was really, really good to uh, welcome you. And Jade led us in worship. Can we all say thank you to Jade? And <laughs> Justin and Cal and Grace were holding the fort down in the tech booth. Thank you guys so much. And for all of those who serve week in and week out, we just bless you. Thank you. And, and it's my delight um, to share the word with you this morning. The, the, the message is called Carry the Word. Say that. Carry the Word, carry the word. to full term. full term. Let me say it again. Carry the Word, carry the word. to full term. There's this beautiful p- parable that you're very familiar with um, found in, in all three of the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. The parable of the sower, or the parable of the seed, or the soils. All three will do. It says this in Luke chapter 8, verse 11. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy, But when they hear it, they have no root. They believe for a little while, and in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain the word, it, by persevering, they produce a crop. Jesus goes on to say in Matthew 8, 21, my mother and brother are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. This is the word of the Lord. Can you say thanks be to God? And so as, I, as I've been on this parable, I know we're in this shepherd series. This is definitely relevant to Jesus being our shepherd. Uh, Brother Charles shared about listening to the voice of the shepherd. This is in complete harmony with that theme that he opened for us. The voice or the word of the shepherd brings life. How many believe that every word that Jesus speaks carries weight and power to do good kingdom things in our lives if we'll receive it and then obey it? How many believe that promise? So as I think about this this parable that I've already preached on even a few, about a month or two ago, as I read this parable again this week, how many believe if you keep reading in the text, sometimes, actually most of the time, you'll get greater insight if you keep reading beyond what you've read? Does that make sense? How many believe that the story of God unfolds as you go further into it? And so I thought about this parable of the rock I'm sorry, the path, the rock, the thorns, and the good soil. I'm like, Lord, it'd be really cool if you gave a scriptural illustration for what that looks like in real time. And he did. If you continue in Luke's gospel, we meet a guy named Jairus. Everybody say Jairus. And we meet a woman who's been bleeding for 12 years, and there's this unfolding story that in one little story, snapshot, you can see the four soils in real time. 
Let's just walk through it, and you'll totally understand what I mean, I hope, by the grace of God. Starting in verse 40, so keep your Bible open. Luke 8 is where we're going to camp this morning. Luke chapter 8. Now, when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him. They were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. Has anyone ever been in a situation or circumstance in your life where the only place of hope and help was to be found at the feet of Jesus? Raise your hands. Has anyone ever been to the end of their, their, their rope and they realize there is no moving forward? The only place I have left to look, the only place I have left to go are the feet of Jesus Christ. Raise your hand nice, nice and high. Nice. Jairus, this reputable man who no doubt is a good and noble man, he has a heart for his people. He's a synagogue leader. He has a heart for his family, obviously. His daughter's sick, and he's finding Jesus. He has a heart for God's word because that's a part of the responsibilities to oversee synagogue life as a Jew. This is a good man. This represents humility. How many know if you're willing to go to someone's feet, you're realizing that there's, there's, there's no, nothing in the realm of our pride or our own power that can solve the unsolvable apart from God's power and presence. So this man models this beautiful picture to us of humility, of expectation. This man finds himself at the feet of Jesus, and in his finding himself there, he tells all of us 2,000 years later, when you have nowhere else to turn, there is still one place you can go, the beautiful feet of Jesus Christ. Amen. And so here's, here's this living parable. I'm going to continue. But he asks Jesus, or he tells Jesus of his daughter. And Jesus, how many would say Jesus represents the Word of God? Raise your hand if you understand. He's literally called the Word of God in John chapter 1, 1 through, uh, 1 through 5. He is the incarnate, the living Word. And so in a very real sense, the Word, Jesus, is released as he follows Jairus to his situation of impossibility. Are you tracking with me? The word is on the move. Say that with me. The word is on the move. And then what happens? It's met by crowds. So this is why I think this story represents all four parables. It says, the scripture says that as Jesus is mobilized, the word is released into the impossible situation of Jairus' daughter dying, immediately they're met with crowds. Crushing crowds. To me, this represents the path. The word is released, and how many know, how many have ever had a sick child, or you've had, you don't want to remember, but you remember dark nights where you realize ain't nothing going to stand in the way of me taking care of my children. Raise your hand if you understand that principle at work in the heart of a father and a mother, certainly. And so here's Jairus, the word is mobilized and moving and they're immediately confronted by crowds. How many have ever found a measure of breakthrough when you went to Jesus' feet, but it was immediately tested by different stories and different realities? Again, raise your hand so I can just move quickly. 
The word is released, but immediately the word is tender. That promise that Jairus is now moving back home with, it's being tested. And if he's not careful, his confidence in the word can be crushed because of the crippling needs around him. Jairus could have been discouraged and thought, Jesus, hurry up. Can you just like zap your fingers and part the crowds like you parted the Red Sea with Moses? To me, this represents when we, when we get to the feet of Jesus and the word is released, we're always going to be tested for that word to be crushed or crowded out by the pressing needs of day-to-day life. How many would say, Chatty, I have fallen victim to the crippling, crushing reality of my chaotic life, which is just called normal? All the crowds have an opportunity to trample the word. It goes on. Verse 43, and a woman was there who'd been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind Jesus and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. I don't know if he said it like that, but when they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, someone's touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at Jesus' feet. In the presence of all the people, she said why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. How many are thankful that God's word usually works in one of two ways? One, There is the supernatural, the word is released, and boom, the bleeding stops. How many have ever seen a real-life miracle in your life? When God's word was appropriated and applied, and boom, that which was not possible through your own means and measures became possible because God's word made it so. And so in this situation, Jairus is still in the company. And now, not only are the crowds crushing, now a woman who got a miracle is in the way of Jairus. To me, this represents that that rocky soil where they, they initially, when they receive the word, they're excited, but then either because of testing, or this never happens in the church, because of jealousy, because of someone else's testimony or story, they're not able to enter into the celebration of God moving in a brother or sister, and so we become critical and complaining, and then we try to tear them down just to bring everyone down to our level. Anyone ever fallen prey to that victim mentality? And so Jairus has an opportunity. His daughter is still dying, and he's about to get some news here in a couple verses. And now a woman, now not just the crowds, but a woman experiences breakthrough and a miracle. And as I was thinking about Jairus, this is the opportunity to retain the word. Remember, the word is Jesus, and it's been deployed and moving back towards Jairus' impossible situation. And instead of being being critical or, or just losing heart and hope because Jesus forgot about him, how many have ever believed the lie that Jesus has forgotten about you? Every hand should be raised And he sees this demonstration of power. And then he hears those amazing words. Remember, Jairus' daughter is dying, and he hears the words from Jesus' lip. Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. This is incredible. 
verse 49. Look at the very next verse. While Jesus was still speaking to this woman, daughter, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Listen to the language. Your daughter is dead. He said, don't bother the teacher anymore. Oh my goodness. Remember, back to the parable of the soil. This to me represents both the rocks and the thorns. How many have ever carried a promise from God's word or a promise by God's spirit and you immediately were confronted with counter-conflicting narratives that were telling you, a, a, telling you something different than the, what the word of God says? Raise your hand. If you've ever carried a promise but then someone told you something contrary or even conflicting with the promises of God's word. By the way, this is where every single disciple of Jesus constantly lives. How many believe there is a counter chaotic narrative constantly calling those who believe in God's counsel, God's word and God's wisdom foolish, archaic, stupid. And right here, Jairus just heard Jesus say, daughter, your faith has healed you. Now news from his hometown Jairus, leave Jesus alone. Your daughter is dead. How many have ever been pressed into that place? He said it. I believe it. And now I have this counter-conflicting narrative at work. To me, this so represents the thorns that want to choke out the word or that, that rocky soil that has no roots and no moisture. Again, replay the scene in your mind. This woman who's been bleeding for 12 years has just been instantly healed because of the word of Jesus, the power of the word. And at the same time, he gets news that his daughter has died. I wish we could live and go back to those dusty streets 2,000 years ago and experience the drama that is unfolding. And I want you to see this is a living breathing story of the parable that we just read, the path, the rocky ground, the thorns, and the good soil. Will Jairus persevere and retain the word of promise that was released in verse 42 when Jesus started to walk with Jairus towards his home to heal his daughter? Or will this new news, this conflicting counter-narrative, leave the master alone, it's hopeless, your daughter is now dead? And I want you to know it's in this moment that the word cannot just be stolen. It can be starved and choked because of the heaviness and the reality of life. And these people, the text says that the ones who came from Jairus's hometown, they literally interrupt Jesus. Remember, verse 49, while Jesus was speaking these people from Jairus's town say, leave him alone. It's hopeless. It's helpless. Verse 50, keep, go keep going with me. We're going to reach the climax here of the story. Hearing this, Jesus said, hearing what? Leave the master alone. The girl's dead. Hearing this, those who interrupted Jesus, <laughs> Jesus said to Jairus, what did he say? Don't be afraid. Just believe and she will be healed. Now answer me this. Did Jesus change his message to fit to this counter-conflicting narrative that he had just heard from Jairus' friends from home? 
Or is Jesus speaking the same thing that undoubtedly he spoke and was activated way back up in verse 42? How many believe Jesus changed his message in light of the news? How many believe Jesus spoke the same word that he embodied when he started moving with Jairus back to his daughter who was sick? I want you to understand many times when we're at that crossroads of impossibilities, of conflicting narratives, we're looking for Jesus to change his word to sort of fit our circumstances. And I want you to know it's in those moments we don't need a new word. We need to double down on the word that he already spoke. Come on, how many have been forced and pressed to that place where Jesus, we want, Lord, Lord, are you aware of how hard it's getting? Come on, somebody. Are you aware that there's other voices, there's other opinions, like the promise you spoke, the seed, the word that I'm contending for, for my family, for my future, for my spouse, for my child, for my workplace, for the breakthrough? Lord, don't you understand that it's getting really hard? I just heard this news that completely contradicts your word. What are you going to say in light of this unfolding drama of my life? And Jesus says, don't be afraid. Believe the word I already said. And I'm telling you, man, this is the hour where we need to double and triple down on the word of the Lord. He's not, we don't need a new word. He has spoken and he will fulfill the promises he has deposited in your spirit. Jesus speaks the same word. The crushing of the crowd, the disruption of the woman who got an amazing miracle. The word of these folks who said, just leave the master alone, your daughter's dead. Nothing changes in Jesus' mind, will, or purpose. Say those words again. Don't be afraid. Just believe and she will be healed. And I want you to understand the unfolding of the drama of the story is she is still dead on arrival. By all natural accounts, This is a hopeless situation, but that we serve the God who raises the dead. She will be healed as a future reality. The word was released in Luke 8, 42 and 3 when Jesus started walking with Jairus. And now we've seen in 10 verses, the word has been tested, potentially choked, potentially squashed by the crowds, potentially just uh, suffocating with no moisture because of all the time and all the people who are getting in the way of Jairus and the word fulfilling the, the, the promises for his daughter. We've seen that this Jairus, this man, has, has really had the opportunity to lose heart and lose hope on multiple occasions. But he's got a noble and good heart. He's modeling the fourth soil who hear the word, retain the word, and who persevere. How many have ever had to persevere and just when you felt like quitting, the breakthrough came? Verse 51, it's almost done. When they arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James and the child's father and mother. I want to underscore a crucial principle. As the days grow darker, there is a time and a place where you need to find some friends who will be your go-into-the-room-close-the-door friends. Raise your hand if you understand what I'm saying by way of principle. There's a time and a place to what do you think and what do you see and what do you feel and can you speak into my life and you speak into my life and before we know it, we've heard 15 opinions. There is a time when the, when, when the, when the testing gets great and the fire gets hot 
You don't need 25 voices. You need one or two friends who are willing to go through the door of the promises of God and the Word of God who will shut the door to every other voice and contend for the breakthrough and for the promise to find its full expression. There's a time, beloved, even in the church that we're drawing nigh as the voices and opinions and it's hopeless culture, the next generation, don't even try. Don't you understand? Barna said a million young people are losing faith. That's great. There's a time to listen to what society and culture says, but there's an hour of which we are walking in. We need a few to go through the door, to shut the door, and to stand on the promises of God. I love this. Jesus says, thank you, all the crowds. This door only goes to those who are willing to persevere. Those who are willing to look on a dead carcass of a little 12-year-old and who will let my word find its full expression by simply trusting and believing and not wavering no matter what we see with our natural eyes. This is a crucial principle. So many of us, we just hear, well, what do you see? What do you say? What do you think? And we just, we, we, we leave the door open when we, when we come up against that test of the promises that we've received and the word of the Lord and its fulfillment. And before we know it, we've just, and I love when Jesus goes into this situation, he's like, not everyone gets to go through this door. Do you have those friends? Do you have those people? If you hear anything today, find that one, find that two, find those three who are willing to go through the door of contending for the word to find its full expression in your life. Meanwhile, verse 52, all the people were wailing and mourning. Can you just hear it? In Jesus' day, literally you could hire people to wail and to mourn. Stop her wailing. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She is not dead, but asleep. Verse 53. They laughed at him. Thank you, Paul. <laughs> Knowing that she was dead. There comes a time when we have to shut out every other voice and narrative that says our nation's beyond revival. Our, the next generation is beyond reaching. Your marriage is it's over. Your kid's too far lost. Your future... It's too impossible. There comes a time when we've got to shut the door, open the word and say, Lord, you said it. We believe it. We're not budging. This is not a free pass to be a jerk or to be isolated or mean spirited. Obviously, we love those around us, even when we face difficult realities. But I'm telling you, there's an hour and I'm talking to some moms, especially and dads, but you're, you get your day in a few weeks, who know what it is to carry a promise and to live at the tension of its, the promise and its full expression. And there comes a time when you don't need a bunch of people to get around you and pat you on the back. You need people to get on their face with you to see that thing come down from heaven. And I'm telling you, we're in a high stakes hour a great falling away is upon us. And in this hour of great despair and darkness, where are the few who will go through the door with Jesus and say, Jesus, your word is the same. Your word still raises the dead. The gospel word still saves sinners and restores the brokenhearted and gives sight to the blind and hearing for the deaf. Lord, your word hasn't changed. 
Even though we're getting a billion, million counterwerves, you're foolish. She's dead. Ha! Who do you think you are? Pull your head out of the sand. And Jesus says, stop. What you see and say is not the same as what I see and say. Someone say amen. amen. And we're surrounded by a culture that's weeping and wailing. I'm telling you, it's on full blast. No, it's not fun. I mean, you can laugh. That's, not, that's okay. You can do what you want. But there's all sorts of noise, and it's not the time for us to lose he our heads and lose our hearts. It's time to go through the door and shut the door and to be with Jesus, with just a few, to say, Jesus, what do you see and what do you say about our cultural moment? What do you see and what do you say about our generation? Come on, somebody. What do you see and what do you say about my family? What do you see and what do you say about my neighborhood? What do you see and what do you say about my workplace? What do you see and what do you say about your church? What do you see and what do you say about America? What do you see and what do you say about the nations? There's a time to weep and wail, but when Jesus and His Word has not changed, the church is called to go through that door and to hear and to see what He's seeing, what He's saying, and to come into agreement and alignment with the God who raises the dead. And Jesus breaks through all the traditional customs of His day, the weepers and the wailers. He says, tell them to be quiet. She's not dead. And I want to speak that word over your life. If you've got a pulse... Your, the situations, the promises, those things in your life that you're contending for, they're not dead. God is still on his throne and he will perform his word for his glory and your good. Amen. Jesus breaks through it all. The living incarnate word is in the room of the impossible. How many believe there's power in the word of the Lord? Amen. There's power when Jesus and his full stature and virtue is applied by faith to the impossibilities around us and in our hearts and in our midst. To those who are not in the kingdom, this will look foolish. And I'm sorry to tell you on this happy Mother's Day, you, there's coming a day in Matthew 10 where those who deny me before men, we're going to see it, are going to be denied before the Father and His angels. It's not the time to shrink back. It's time to put the lamp of His Word on the stand of your heart and house and let that thing light up your whole house. Come on, somebody. There's a time and a place, a boldness, not an arrogance, but a courage the Lord wants to deposit into the heart of every one of His sons and daughters that says He said it, we believe it, we're living on it, we're leaning on it, we're building an entire life on the promises of His Word for our generation. To those not in the kingdom, you look dumb. Sorry, get used to it. I'm serious. To be mocked, to be ridiculed. She was dead. Don't be afraid of, don't be afraid of what the crowds will say. If you agree, say amen. Don't be afraid of what with, with what you see with your natural eyes when it seemingly contradicts with the promises and purposes of God. Disbelieve in what you see with these and believe what he sees and what he says. Don't be afraid. Just believe she will be healed. And here we come full circle. Remember, I told you the parable of the sower is seen throughout this whole story. Here Jairus 
with Peter, John, and James, and his wife, and his dead daughter, and Jesus. The noble, good, upright, retain the word, persevere with the word, is about to see the crop of resurrection life. Come on. Verse 54, take her by the hand. Jesus took her by the hand and said, my child, get up. And I just want to speak into your heart right now. My child, get up. And I want you to notice that it's not Jairus' virtue, it's not the anointing of Peter, John, and James. The power of God is simply and purely released when the Word of God is allowed to do its thing with humble receptivity and faith. Jairus is willing to go through the door with the three disciples, Jesus and his wife and his dead daughter. Jairus perseveres through the crowds. He waits for his turn after the woman who gets her miracle in front of his own daughter. He walks and he perseveres and he perseveres. Jesus takes the child and says, get up. And it's the power of the word of God displayed for every one of us today. Verse 55, her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. Then Jesus told them, give her something to eat, and we all said amen. Here's what I believe prophetically the Lord showed me when I was reading this passage this week and study. Obviously, there's something very natural happening. She's probably pretty hungry. Give her something to eat. But I think there's something more. How many believe that with Jesus, there's always something more than just the natural, as important as the natural is? Here was the principle the Spirit gave me. Feed the miracle. Turn to your neighbor and say, feed the miracle. One more time, feed the miracle. Give the miracle something to eat. And I'm here to tell you, this should be our normal response when we see God break in and fulfill his promise we're meant to feed that by testimony by going further in by believing by contending for the promise of our brothers and sisters we're meant to feed the reality that when the word of God is released when the word of God is retained and when the word of God is realized through perseverant faith when he comes through we're meant to feed that dynamic at all costs feed the miracle we're not meant to experience the occasional moment of obedience to his word. We're meant to live right at the intersection of his promises and purposes, finding their expression through humble, perseverant faith as disciples of Jesus. Feed the miracle. And to me, this is where all of us live. And I know this is an intense story we're talking about a dead little girl that was resurrected through the power of Jesus. But in a million lesser ways, this perfectly reveals a parable for our own life. On a daily basis, how many believe we're surrounded by crushing and crippling crowds? On a daily basis, we're surrounded by our friend getting the raise, but we didn't. Our friend getting the breakthrough, but we didn't. Come on, raise your hand. On a daily basis, we live here. This is an extreme pendulum story. 
the daughter. <laughs> but in a million ways, we live in the, in the midst of this story. Will we allow the crushing crowds, the interruptions, the impossibilities of our reality, the blessing and breakthrough of others, the conflicting narratives that tell us something contrary to what God has spoken and promised, will we allow all of those forces to crush, choke, and starve the Word? Or will we steward the Word and carry it to full term to see its full expression in our lives and in the lives of those that we love? It's only by noble and good heart. How many believe the only one that can give you and I a noble and good heart is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. It's those who live by hearing and believing my word. I love this. And look back, way back up to verse 15. Those who retain the word. Everyone say retain. This, is, this, this has this language of guarding. No, I'm carrying a promise. Come on, somebody. Who's ever carried a promise? You have to retain that promise. And then it says, and then by persevering. Everyone's favorite word. Living under the weight and the tension of what he has said and what we currently see. This is perseverance. But if we'll persevere, we'll produce a crop. That word that he's spoken can come to full term and find its expression through our lives. Her parents were astonished, verse 56. But Jesus told them not to tell anyone what had happened. Good luck telling a 12-year-old girl not to tell everyone on the planet what happened to her. Let the girl do the talking. That's what I, I take. I know there's more messianic hush from Mark's gospel. There's a lot I don't want to preach. There's a reason Jesus has to get to Jerusalem, and if he keeps getting more popular, he's never going to get to his destination. Amen? But this principle, don't tell anyone, does not apply to us. How many believe he wants us to boast in our weakness, but in his sufficiency and power? Imagine a little 12-year-old. I've got an almost 10-year-old. From that day on, having that testimony, I was dead. But then the word of God, Jesus himself, took my hand and raised me up. <laughs> and I don't know what you're facing today. Moms, dads, sons, daughters, young and old. But I believe that Jesus wants to deposit a fresh word of hope, a fresh word of promise, a fresh word into your heart that he wants you to then partner with him to steward it, to see its full expression. If that connects with you in any way, shape, or form, you say, Chatty, I already have a word and I'm getting my handed to me. I need, I need grace. I need prayer. Then this call applies to you. But if you're in this room and you're like, Chad, I'm just trying to survive. I don't even know what you're talking about, that God could speak a word of promise. But I want ears to hear and a heart to be receptive to what he sees and what he says. And maybe today you would just say, Chad, I've seen him do so much in my past. I don't quite know about my future, but I know that his word is, the, is the, the power to level mountains, to make crooked places straight for my future, to be in agreement and alignment with his purposes. So if, you, if, if any of those three apply to you, you need perseverance, you need a new word, 
amen, or you need grace and encouragement and maybe even correction to get back on the path that he's spoken, could you just stand? I just want to pray a blessing into your heart today and over your life. You would just say it as it pertains to carrying a word of his promise, a word of his purpose. Just shake your head at me if you understand the point of the standing right now. I want to receive a fresh word from God. I want the spirit. I want the word of Jesus. I want to be like Jairus. I want to so carry a word from the Lord that by the grace of God, I can persevere, I can retain, I can walk through the crowds. I can walk through all adversity. I can even hear counter narratives, but I can go into that door and shut it with a few others, even if it's just the Father, Son, and Spirit. And it really helps to have another brother or sister or two who will stand with me. Maybe it's, Lord, I need to bring someone into the journey of my fight. That applies to probably all of us in this room. Maybe you're carrying a promise, but you've not let anyone know, and you just feel gutted. You feel exhausted. And the Lord says, bring a friend with you through the door. Father, I pray right now for the release of the word of God, the release of your promises and purposes, for a lack of a better uh, metaphor into the spiritual womb of every son and daughter. God, your word is like a seed. That's what it says in Luke 8, 11. It's like a seed and our hearts are like soil. And we confess, Lord, our hearts can be a mess. We can lose heart. We can lose faith, we can lose courage, but today, as a spiritual family, we're standing to say, Lord, speak your word again. Even if it's the same word that we have lost, or we've neglected, or we've forsaken, Lord, I pray you would speak a word into the heart and into the soul of everyone in this room and those watching. I pray, Lord, the purposes and plans of God revealed through the scriptures would be deposited by faith afresh in every heart and every life. Father, for those who just feel so weary from the journey, the crowds have got the better of them. The conflicting narratives have caused them to doubt and to walk into disbelief. The, 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 the blessings of others have caused the word to be choked out with jealousy or, or a, a victim mentality. Well, I'll never get my breakthrough. Lord, whatever state, I thank you for an upgrade right now. I thank you for a release of the fresh word of God. And then, Lord, I pray that you would shut the door right now to every competing voice, to every sinister lie that the enemy speaks from the shadows, from the fiery darts that he says, oh, you don't really want to believe that. God, we ask that you would right now establish your people in the grace of your son, Jesus. Father, you said those who build their life on believing your word are like those who dig down deep to a foundation that when the rain comes down and the streams rise and the winds blow, our house will stand. Declare that over your life. Our house will stand stand one more time our house will stand because it's built on the rock of his unshakable word and his unshakable promise so lord i just pray for revival fire on the belly in the belly of every son and daughter i pray that you would establish your word of promise and purpose in your sons and daughters today in jesus mighty name we all said 
Amen and amen. Uh, Timothy's going to pray. We'll have time for ministry if you want someone to pray with you. If not, happy Mother's Day. We love you so much. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. You're dismissed as the Spirit leads. Bless you guys. And mamas especially. <laughs>